What's going on, my people? It's your boy Mo, aka The Hoop Genius. Now, this episode of the podcast, along with NBA champion BJ Armstrong that you're about to hear, was recorded directly after the Game 7 between the Dallas Mavericks and the LA Clippers. This was our post-game show, and if you want to watch the show live, head over to twitch.tv forward slash hoopgenius, where you can join in the conversation and have your question answered. So that way, during this episode, you're going to hear me shout out a few people or answer a few questions from the chat. So if you want your questions answered, make sure you subscribe over on Twitch and get involved with the conversation. But without further ado, enjoy the show. Welcome, people. We're back. Another stream. Another day in the NBA playoffs. Myself, Mo, aka the Hoop Genius, and of course, the legendary Mr. BJ Armstrong. BJ, how are you doing? Woo, man. I'm uh, I'm worn out after these two games here on a Sunday afternoon. You know, talking about Philadelphia and Atlanta, and uh, that Dallas game with you know the Clippers what a fantastic game we saw some brilliant performances by Luka Doncic and Kawhi Leonard so uh, I'm worn out I feel like uh, I was out there playing it was uh back and forth and then the Clippers were able to pull away there in the second half yeah let's talk let's talk we'll get into the Sixers game later on because that was kind of crazy I woke up today at the start at, at like half time and they're down 20 and and then they get it back within two but let's talk about the Clippers immediate reaction right now the the timeline has turned on. Like I feel like everyone was waiting to make the Paul George jokes, but now it's just become Paul Zingis jokes because Paul Zingis tonight had sixteen points and eleven rebounds, one assist, zero blocks, uh, zero from five from downtown. We spoke about this on the podcast earlier in the week. Um, for any of you guys watching this who who haven't heard it yet, but Luka Doncic needs some help. You know, it's unfair when you look at all the other players in that draft class. Like, DeAndre Ayton, who had number one, he's got Devin Booker and Chris Paul on his team. Trey Young from that same draft class. The Atlanta Hawks are just really deep. They've got, like, eight, nine solid rotation players. Whereas I'm looking at this Mavs roster, and and where do they go from here? My question to you is, I put out a tweet earlier, and, um, you know, the question, the question I asked people was, if you could pair Luka Doncic with any player in the NBA, who would you want to pair him with? So using your mind as a scout, front office former player, who would you pair Luka Doncic with if you could put him with anyone? Well, you know, if, if I can play couch GM right now and, and I'm looking at this Dallas Mavericks team, the first thing I would do is I would continue to allow, and this is going to sound a little odd, but I would continue to allow Luka to determine who and what he's going to be in this league. And as I'm watching the game today, all right, so I just take today's game. There's a glaring weakness to his game right now, talking about Luka Doncic, and that's on the defensive end. And you saw Rick Carlisle elect to go to a 2-3 zone mm-hmm. <laughs> for a majority of the game, okay? And the reason being is because the L.A. Clippers decided, in particular in game six, to pick on Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. That's the matchup that they wanted, okay? So as great of an offensive of talent that my best player is you can't win in this league and I know it sounds cliche defense wins championships Luka Doncic right now I don't know what his best position is on the defensive end and that's going to be a problem because you can't win an NBA championship playing a 2-3 zone in a game seven 
they came out from the very start saying, we're going to play a 2-3 zone. So it's very easy for me to point the fingers at all the other places because I can just look at the stats and I can say Luka Doncic had 40-something and he had 10 assists and he is a brilliant offensive talent. Make no doubt, he's gifted on the offensive end. First, I have to figure out which position can he defend before I started seeing where I need to put help at, right? Because I just can't have three or four more offensive players and nobody can guard anybody. So if Luca's going to settle in, is he going to guard the other teams too? Is he going to guard the other teams three? Is he going to guard the, is he going to be a guard or point guard? I don't care where he guards, but he's got to be respectable at one of those positions. And then I can begin to build my team because if you're going to be a championship caliber team, Luca Doncic without question, no hesitation, he is a exceptional offensive player and will be that way for many years in this league. But if he's going to win and deliver and reach his full potential, he's going to have to be more than respectable on the defensive end. And that comes with him making, you know, but, that type well, of commitment to that end of the floor. I, I hear what you're saying. So I would be very careful. Yeah. So I would be very careful to start saying he needs help. Help how? Well, like, do you want to take though. the ball out of his hand? No. How are you going to do this that? This is the thing. Like, I get exactly where you're coming from in terms of you need to be a respectable defender to win a championship. But having said that, if we just contrast it to what we saw with Trey Young, Trey Young's a worse defender than Luka Doncic, right? But the way that the Hawks run their defense can kind of hide his deficiencies so that he's not getting picked on. Because okay. if it was that easy to just pick on someone, the Knicks would have done it and the Sixers would have done it just now. So, okay, so, but here, here's, here is, here's the difference of what I'm saying. All right, so let's take the, let's take both of those teams, okay? Mm-hmm. If you, you know, when you start building a roster, right, you got to make a commitment because at some point here, Trey Young is going to get a long-term extension, okay? Yeah. So now once Trey Young, whether it's this summer or the following summer or whenever that is, just like with Luka Doncic, now you're committed. Now you're locked in. What made the New York Knicks such a great and fun team this year is because they have no long-term commitments. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Mavericks right now, financially, they're in pretty good shape. <laughs> no, right I, I, I would disagree. Their pen pausing is... Okay, well, we can, you, you can disagree. Their pen is 30 plus for, for, for three more years. Okay. But Porzingis can be moved, which, whether it's true or not, they know they can move him. Okay. They know they can move him. He can be moved. Okay, he can be moved. Now, with the exception of Porzingis, their their books are yeah. pretty much in order. They look good. When Before you start committing to long-term players, you better figure out what you have so that now, because you got to live with it, okay? You have to live with that. So, again, I hear what everyone's saying. Luka needs help. I would be very careful, right? Does that mean he needs a point guard that can score? But if you get a point guard can score, you take the ball out of Luca's hand. If you get a two guard, okay, if you get a two guard who can score, okay, what does that do to Luca? I, I don't know, and I don't care what position he plays because he's he's an exceptional player. Just be committed to saying your best player says, this is what I'm committed to doing. And then we can go from there. And right now, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I really don't. As I watch him play, I don't know what it is because the last thing I want to do is to guess that he wants to be a three and he really wants to be a point or vice versa. Because right now he hasn't shown the ability, especially on the defensive end, 
to do either. Now, getting back to what you said with Trey. Trey is interesting as a player is because what we know in this league is that rim protection is a premium. We see mm-hmm. the effects of rim protection with a player like Rudy Gobert. What they've decided to do with a player like Trey Young is to say, Trey Young, we don't switch anything with you. Yeah. That's the difference. I don't see that same type of rim protection with the Dallas Mavericks. And we know that Trey Young is a lead guard. Luka is, is he a point guard? Is he a small forward? Is he a two? I don't know right now. Luka's a point guard. Like, he's got okay, the body so Luka's of a, a wing, point guard on the offensive the end. The way he plays with the ball in his hands every possession. So he, what does that mean for him on the defensive end? Is he going to be a, So if he's going to be a point guard, let's say he is a point guard. So that means I'm going to go and get me wing players who can defend because you got to be able to defend all the wing players in this league. That's where the predominant scores are at in the NBA. So now I got to say, I got to give me a two and a three who can defend and shoot. Well, those guys aren't just like, they're on an abundance of those guys just walking around in the NBA. That's why it's such a premium for wing players who can defend and score. It's a, that's a, that's, that, if you can do that in the NBA, you are a premier player because every team is looking for that type of player. But why do I say that type of player is because, you know, we are in an age now where it's positionless, you know, it's a positionless league right now. Everyone's switching on the defensive end. So if Luka is going to be a point guard, which is fine, now I got to find me a two or three who can do that. And I got to find me either a four or a five who can rim protect, preferably yeah. a five because you want to be able to have stretch four because you want to be able to run screen roll. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now if Luka is going to be the point guard, that means either the two or the three is going to have to be a secondary ball handler so that we can take advantage of yep. Luca in the post and all those other things. So this is a very complicated process until Luca commits to something. It's like playing with Scottie Pippen. Scottie could play the point guard, but he ended up saying, I want to defend the threes, yeah. which was great because now we can put all of the other pieces around him. So again, I think Luca will determine when this team is ready to take the next step because we know that he can carry a game, a series, he, can all, he almost won this series by himself, literally. <laughs> but now he's got to figure out, if I'm going to advance with this level of talent, I got to find a place where I can fit in and be able to play. Because, you know, watching a team in a game seven have to start the game off in a 2-3 zone, basically you're admitting we can't defend you at all. Yeah, they've done that for the last couple games as well. Absolutely. This is what like- I'm saying. But it's but it's very obvious. You follow what I'm saying here? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's not it's easy knock. for a guy like it's, Kawhi. As soon as he gets yes. into that, onto the nail of that on the offense, he can just pick that apart. Especially yes. Game Seven, Kawhi. Because they they just picked on Luca, okay? And at some point here, at some point here, Trey Young, okay? Because this is what the playoffs will always expose. The playoffs will always expose your weaknesses. That's why it's so important in today's game. If you got to have five guys who can score, if you have five guys who can score, the ball will always find the weakest defender. It will always find the weakest link in the chain. So at some point, Trey Young, if this is the case, the ball will find his guy and he will be exposed because you can't run in the playoffs as you continue to advance. You know, it may not happen in the first round. It may not happen in the second round, but whatever weakness you have in your game or in your team, will 
you know, it's going to rear its head at some point. So again, you know, that was the thing, as you asked that question, that was the most glaring thing to me is saying, oh, wow, the coaches already know they can't defend. And it's very hard to win the game just on the offensive end. Yeah, because I'm looking at, you know, the, the Mavstein 5. You've got Luca, not a good defender. You've got Paul Zingis. We've spoken about Paul Zingis. He, he can't move. You've got Boban, who can literally only protect the paint. He's If you switch with Boban, he's getting cooks. You've got Dorian Finney-Smith, who is a good defender. And you've got Tim Hardaway Jr., who I wouldn't consider a, a great defender by any stretch. So it's tough. Um, we've got a few questions from the fans. Someone's asking, uh, you mentioned earlier Paul Zingis can be moved. Do you see any potential destinations of anyone who would be willing to take on Paul Zingis and that $30 million a year contract that he's on? I think there are a lot of suitors for Porzingis just because of his size and his ability to shoot the ball. You know, you know, when you're that size and you can shoot, you know, you're, there's always going to be a market for a player like that. And even though we may, you know, he, he had, his salary warrants a lot of expectations. And right now, you know, he's had some injuries. And for whatever reason... He hasn't taken the next step, whether it's due to injury, bad fit or what have you. But I still am reminded when you are a young player, it takes time. And I'm not ready to give up, especially on taller, big players like that, because big men tend to develop and they take, you know, they take a little time. You know, when you have injuries, you're not able to get into a rhythm. You're not able to get into your your feel of the game. So I, I would be, you know, I would be patient with him. You know, but I'm not there with him every day. But sometimes it just takes time with these big guys, right? You know, you know whether it's, you know, it's it just, you know, it's 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 a lot of mass. So, can you move him? Absolutely, you can move him. Do you want to move him? What are you getting back in return, right? I'm sure someone would love to dump a salary off, but you know what? The the big thing is how you're going to replace a player like that, you know, because he is. He gives you a lot of flexibility. He gives you a stretch four or five. He gives you a very unique basketball player. And now it's just about putting him in the right position. So, you know, I wouldn't be in a rush to get rid of him. But, you know, you, you'll see what you can get. And uh, if something comes along that you like, that you think is good, you do it. Obviously, you do it for your team. But you know, all in all, I still consider Porzingis a really good basketball player in this league. And you know what? When you really start breaking it down, you start adding other pieces to the team because this is an unfinished team. I think he's a really good player. And I think he's a really good player on a really good team because he doesn't really demand touches. He can play with other good players. I just think right now we're asking him to do something that potentially he can't do, which is to carry an offensive load. But I do think he can play off of other really good players. Well, in, in my take on it, it may be overly simple, but if you're getting max money, you've got to be able to... Like, like the reason why the Clippers have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is when Kawhi's on the bench resting, Paul George is still in the game. Karen, this is what my criticism of Doc Rivers was earlier. He took out Simmons, Embiid, and Harris all at the same time. The whole point of having multiple stars on a team is so that in these crucial games, in these playoff games, you can stagger your lineup so that you've not just got all bench guys out there at any one time. Because you feel like in this whole series, the Mavs would be up and then Luke would go to the bench and the Clippers would make their run. And all the momentum's gone. Yep. Now the Clippers are in the lead. Now they've got control of the games. If the Mavs had a guy that could simply just control the game while Luka was resting, like Paul Zings is supposed to be doing for his 30 million a year, then they probably would have won this series. 
because there's there was like the, of the four games they lost, a lot of them they had big leads or double digits leads, and then Luca went to the bench for four minutes, and the lead was gone. Well, I, I, I'll say this about bigs, and like you, you're a huge fan of the game. The one position that requires another player are always bigs, right? Because they can't, for the most part, with the exception of Jokic. <laughs> okay, Jokic <laughs> doesn't need a guard to get him a ball, right? There are always exceptions to every rule. Bigs have to play with guards if they're going to be highly successful, all right? So Shaquille O'Neal played with the late Kobe Bryant. He played with Dwayne Wade, you know, Will Chamberlain played with Jerry Russ, Gil Goodrich. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played with Oscar Robertson, Magic Johnson. The problem with the Dallas Mavericks is they have a ball handler who dominates the ball over 95% of the time, and that guy's name is Luka Doncic, right? We're playing in a league of small ball, and we're playing pace and space where guards, in particular point guards, have to play downhill. So with the exception of Luka, I couldn't tell you who that other guard on the Dallas Mavericks who were, who was remotely capable of doing that on a consistent basis at a high level. Okay, and in all fairness to Biggs, because Biggs need guards to get them the ball. Who else can deliver the ball to Luka Doncic? I mean, to Porzingis. Well, I mean, you're looking at it now. You've got like Jalen Brunson's a solid-ish player off the bench. And that's okay, about... Jalen Brown. But is Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson, John Morant? Is Jalen Brunson on the same level as Ja Morant? No, no, no. no. I'm talking about bench guys. Okay, so Jalen Brunson is a very nice backup guard, but he's not a pace and space guy where he can break you down and do those things. Very respectable player. But but again, if you're going to be at a high level, you got to have that player who can do that. Right now, I don't see that with the Dallas Mavericks. The team basically is the offense right now, when you look at the Dallas Maverick, it's one yeah. play. You give the ball to Luka, and you either clear out and get out of his yep. way, or you wait till he gets double and he passes you the ball. Yep. That's... So, again, if we're going to feature another player, then we're going to have to... And Rick Carlisle's been in this league for 30-something years, right? This guy's been around forever. I'm, su- I'm surprised he's playing the way he's playing with Luka Doncic, but Luka Doncic is so great... He's so great and so magnificent as an offensive player. You probably have to play this way with him. But if you want to develop or at least give these other guys an opportunity to expand or figure out who they're going to be, then you're going to have to get other playmakers and creators on the floor. I don't see another person that can actually you could play the offense through because we don't post guys. And what do we expect a seven foot four guy to do to like play one on one basketball from the top? No, that's not happening. So Porzingis is in a situation where he's forced to really be a spot-up seven-foot-four guy playing off of Luka Doncic, like every other player on that team. Yeah. And that's, the, that's, that's an issue. Now, again, I'm not willing to give up on Porzingis just yet because the team, this, is a, this team, in my opinion, was put together with the idea that they didn't really know who they were at the beginning and they don't know who they are now but what they player that's good enough to get them to the playoffs yeah and now they got to figure out who they're going to commit to because luca is about to get a max deal make no yeah. doubt about it he's going to get super maxed out and then once he's super maxed out then the team's got to figure out what they're going to do let's break it down right now so i'm looking at the books for next year 
they've already got 90 mil in cap space um, already taken up. And Luca is going to go and get that extension, as you said, the super as, as big of a max contract as you can get for a rookie player coming off that deal. But the guys, Tim Hardaway Jr., who's currently making 19 mil, he's off the books for next year. So you saw how yep. big he was in this series. They're going to have to find a way to replace him with what the mid level well, again, exception, if, if, or, if that's what you want, a veteran minimum. Because you see what I'm saying? It's only the year after well, they've got money to spend. This year, well, next year they're yeah. all booked up. Well, they're going to have to figure out what do they need to build around their best player or best players. And if you, every team needs to say the Milwaukee Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks finally figured out that all these years they've been trying to get shooting, shooting, shooting. Okay, that's great. That sounds good. Sounds excellent. Wins you a lot of games in the regular season. In the playoffs, you still need defense. You you gotta you gotta defend somebody. Mm-hmm. So at some point here, they're gonna have to commit to the defensive end. At some point, is, is that Tim Hardaway? Is that you know whoever that is? I don't care who it is. Whoever I mean, they know their team better than I do. But at some point here, they're going to have to commit to that. So the Milwaukee Bucks went and got P.J. Tucker. They went and got Drew Holiday. And they went and got Bobby Portis. Mm. I feel Okay. You. Now, so at some point here, Luka Doncic is in the same stratosphere as Giannis. Okay. So how are you going to surround whatever is needed for him to be this top tier player that he really is? Because he will never, ever be a defensive player of the year like, like yeah. Giannis. Yeah. Okay? But he will be – I mean, he can score 40 points in a game and have a so-so game by his standards. And, and right? He was mediocre in the, in the second half at best. Well, he scored but 17. End, he still had yeah. – Yeah, he had 17, 4, and 7 in the second half. And, and the thing with Luka on defense is there are stretches of the game where I don't think he's a – bad defense like there was stretches in games a five and game six where he did an okay job even when they were i just want out. him to defend i all i want him to do is commit to one area if is he if is he's going to be a two or three just say he's guarding paul george or he's guarding Kawhi leonard oh he's going to if he's going to be the point guard <laughs> then just guard you know what's his name jackson his name reggie uh, jackson uh, reggie jackson and okay and that's okay i don't care where he commits just commit so that the other team can say this is our identity on this end of the court Absolutely. and what's going to give him the best chance and it doesn't matter it, i don't care does he want to guard you know donovan mitchell does he want to guard or does he want to guard steph curry and 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 damian lillard i don't care it doesn't matter but let's commit so that the team can build its identity because right now their solution is to go to a two three zone and get bigger with Marinovich and Porzingis. Yeah. I mean, well, the, and they still go to game seven. That's how good Luka is. This is is absolutely crazy. Like, because I was saying to some people just now, the Clippers are celebrating winning a series that should have been won in five or six at most. And you've got taken to a game seven and you've lost three times on your home court as well. So I think it's crazy. Obviously, the difference in this series was when Tyloo went to the small ball, taking out Zubak, putting in Nick Batum. Uh, Nick Batum in the candidate for one of the best uh, acquirements of, of the veteran minimum this season after that buyout from the Charlotte Hornets. He's been huge for the LA Clippers. But now looking at it from a Clippers perspective, they're moving on to play the Utah Jazz. 
that's going to be tough. But the Utah Jazz, unless Donovan Mitchell goes crazy, I don't, I don't, I don't see the Utah Jazz having anyone to uh, to go up against the like the same way that Luca did. I feel like that series may potentially be easier for them than this first one was. Well, you know, I, I feel like I'm always picking on the on the, or I feel like I, along with people in media, we're always every, picking everyone. on the the Utah Jazz, right? Picks on the Utah Jazz, yeah. and listen, the Utah Jazz had the best record in the league for a reason. This is a very disciplined team. They shoot exceptionally well from deep. You know, when we talk about pace and space, you know, Connolly pushes the ball, Donovan Mitchell pushes the ball, and they have terrific spacing on the floor. And they have an essential defensive element, and his name is Rudy Gobert, and he literally is the defensive presence for them on that end of the floor because he can rim protect with the best of them. He is probably the best. You know, without if he's not defensive player of the year, he'll be in the top two or three in the voting this year as well. So this team is very well coached. They have all of the elements. However, all right, they're going to have to defend. They're going to have to defend the wings. And they're not the most athletic team mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, Royce O'Neal, Bodanovich, Ingles, and those guys. I think they are great, especially Ingles and and and, 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 um, and uh, what's the other kid O'Neal. I just said his name? O'Neal. Um, O'Neal, Royce O'Neal. Yeah, Royce O'Neal. I think they are terrific position defenders, but they're not athletic oh, no, defenders. No so I think... So, so I think the advantage should be to the Clippers. Okay, it should be to the Clippers. I think Morris and Bogdanovich is a good matchup, but I think toughness probably will, you know, will do a tip the scale to the Clippers. Okay, you know, Reggie Jackson, wow, he made some big shots tonight, right? Mm-hmm. So I, Reggie Jackson is playing well. Rondo, you know, and these guys. So I like the matchup. I think they have size. Right. They, they can go Zubak. They, they've gone small. OK. Um, I like the depth of this Clippers team. They've already been battle tested and clearly they play better on the road than they do at home. <laughs> OK. So, so so I like the Clippers out of Staples Center. So get them away from Staples Center so, so as quickly as you can. Though, but again, for that yeah. series, you've now gone small with Zub- with Zubak going to the bench and Batum coming in. Now you're playing against the Rudy Gobert Utah Jazz. Do you stay small so you can exploit that on offense? Because if you stay small and don't bring Zubat back into the lineup, Gobert's probably going to get like 20 rebounds a night. And absolutely, like... That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. And the reason that's okay is, listen, I want to be able to get the shots and get the ball to where I want to get to. Now, if they go small... Rudy go that would be a problem for Rudy Gobert. Why? Because again, we know that the Utah Jazz are most vulnerable when you can attack Rudy Gobert. Now, for whatever reason, the Memphis Grizzlies went away from that. They did an exceptional job in game one and then they went away from it. I know I, I have no idea. Maybe their coaches saw something different. I want to include Rudy Gobert and make him defend and and where he's most uncomfortable. So I would continue to go small just so I can get my wings to defend, I mean, to attack him either in the mid-range or more or more, more importantly, when I get the ball going downhill. I think that's going to be a problem. I think that will be a problem for him. So I think having a steady diet 
of Zubac going big and attacking him in screen roll situations where he has to come out, I think will be a problem. But again, maybe, maybe the Utah Jazz have a formula uh, or something that they've done. I haven't picked up on it yet that has forced the other teams to go away from it because with the exception of Denver last year, I don't know what the Memphis Grizzlies were, were trying to accomplish by not uh, by not attacking him every single time. I I put I would include him in every screen roll situation. 100%. So that way I can I can attack the basket and at least have a chance. With him standing back there, you have no chance. I mean, he's you know, he's he he does an exceptional job of staying vertical and playing big back there and uh, more times than not he wins that And matchup. I feel like this series is going to be big uh, for Paul George quiet cuz they're just going to have an abundance of pull-up jump shots coming off that screen roll if they continue to drop. But just real quick, let's go through some of the questions that the fans have been sending in. What up, what up to everyone who's locked in live right now. We appreciate all of you guys coming to join us. Um, a lot of comments, Luke needs some help. A lot of slander for Paul Zingis in the comments right now. Um, someone's talking about that the Spurs could be signing and trading DeMar DeRozan to Dallas. I think that would be a horrible fit because he also needs the ball in his hands to score in the mid-range. So you're essentially getting someone who does what Luka does, just not as well. Uh, Rashawn Holmes would be a good fit on that Mavs team. Yeah, I think Rashawn Holmes is a great role player. Um, BJ's getting a lot of love. Matisse is asking, BJ, how's the power in your neighborhood? Um, of course, he was locked in to the last stream. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's it's all good today. Keep our fingers crossed. Uh, Andrew's <laughs> asking, do you think, let's just talk about this then before we talk about the early game today. Do you think the Hawks win a championship in the next five years with this young team? Well, as the 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 roster is currently constructed, I would say no. I would say no. And because I think it's going to be hard try to maintain and keep all of these players, right? Luke, um, Trey Young is coming up. Collins is coming up. Are you going to re-sign uh, uh, what's the big kid uh, uh, on their team? Um, Clint Capella. You know, you just signed Bodanovich. Okay. You, 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 so Danilo Gallinari. So at some point, you can't, you can't maintain all these guys here for the next four or five years. However, however... What is going to be the growth of Trey Young? That's okay. Offensively, he makes every play on the offensive end, right? He can pass left hand, right hand, screen roll situation. He can make every play. If there's something that's, you know, again, we, we talk about it. And, and when you're a young player, it's always a problem when you first come in this league. Defensively, what is he going to do to be respectable on that end? Because you can't continue to hide, right? And I, I, I like their team. I didn't think they would, you know, win in the fashion that they they beat the Knicks. I thought they were good enough to beat the Knicks. That I think they were gonna they were they were sort of dominant. It wasn't oh, like, yeah. you know, they they were. They, I mean, look, they they were close games, but the Atlanta played with a lot of composure. You know, they 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 were they were composed. They they played like veterans, and they, they played depth. I mean, when you have guys like Danilo coming off the bench scoring twenty points. In the playoffs, I mean that's always very positive. And then they go to Philadelphia today, and they went on the road, uh, with the exception of the way they played down the stretch, which looked like a looked like high school basketball or something down the stretch. They played a really good game. That was the foot right? off the gas, though. Um, I, I, I feel like they just got yeah, complacent, yeah. and they thought they'd won the game before they'd won it. Exactly, but give them credit. They go in in a game one, and they win it. So um, 
so I, I like how this team is playing and give Nate McMillan a lot mm-hmm. of credit. Okay. Nate McMillan, you know, has done a, a terrific job. He's got these guys playing well. He's got all these young guys playing with confidence. And so, you know, who knows? But as the roster is currently constructed, it's impossible for them to be able to hold on to all of these young players that they have. You know, DeAndre Hunter and all of these guys. But I do like this team. I like what they're doing. I think they've drafted well. I think they've come together somehow because, you know, they they started off kind of shaky at the beginning of the season. But give them credit. They're playing very well now. And I think Trey Young is a, is a big part of that, along with the coaching of Nate Do McMillan. you think they've got enough in them then to win this series against them? Because I didn't think they did. But the way they beat the Knicks made me think about it. And then when Embiid went and got injured, because... Because he looked healthy today, right? But I just don't see him, you know, maintaining that throughout potentially a seven-game series. I always have that worry about Embiid's health. Especially, he's got to go up against Clint Capella, who's not a superstar. But Clint Capella, in my eyes, is like in the same category of JV in terms of underappreciated big men that, if they want to, can go and get you 20 rebounds and 20 points just off lob finishes and putbacks. So... I'm looking at it now like I think the Hawks could steal a win here and go to the conference finals. You know, listen, this this kid Trey Young thus far in the playoffs, he's really exceeded my expectations. He really has. And and what he has done probably better than even I thought he could do is the consistency in which he's running screen role. Because normally you don't see a smaller guard able to make the right pass because he can't look over the defense like a bigger, taller player. But I'm giving him credit. And his floaters and runners and all of that, it's pretty clever. He's got a pretty clever game. And he's been playing exceptionally well in the playoffs. I didn't think that he could do that with this level of consistency. But you know what? I got to readjust my scouting report and say, okay, this is Trey Young. He can shoot that floater. He can shoot that runner. He comes off the wrong leg and shoots it. He comes off right hand, left hand, whatever. He That's just that's his game. And he's shooting the ball with distance right now, and it's going in. So he's a major problem. Now, what happens if he's not, if that's not going? See, that's my only question. Can they grind the game out? Because you're not going to shoot the ball well every single time. Okay, he what he have thirty yeah, something today. He played well. Yeah, I mean, he, he look when he's playing well. Clearly, they're tough to beat. I mean, he can play like we talked about earlier with the Dallas Mavericks. When you have a guard who can play downhill, Mo, it's very difficult, especially in today's game, because you can't touch these players. You can't touch yep. these guards. The guy That's has the exceptional handles. Ben Simmons he can get to anywhere on the floor. Ben Simmons and Tybalt yeah, he can. He can do it. They're getting in foul trouble. Um, you know. They're, they're complaining that they can't be physical enough with him because they're much bigger. And, you know, these these guys, the Philadelphia 76ers, they're supposed to be the best defensive team in the East. Well, they're the best defensive team in the playoffs now that the Lakers have gone home. Um, they've got the the most, what we call the most versatile defense player in the league in Ben Simmons. Uh, but you can't stick Ben Simmons on him for the whole game because he'll get in foul trouble. They've got Matisse Tybal, who I think is the best defender on their team, like we said in the podcast last week. But, again, the same... I saw calls today that with all due respect to the referees, they weren't fouls. But they were sold in a way to make them look like fouls. So then, you know, Danny Green is no longer the San Antonio Danny Green that would be able to stick on great guards and and play defense on them and go over screens. He's just not got it in him anymore. So 
Trey Young's a tough cover, but then when you've got guys like John Collins shooting three from four from downtown, it then opens up the rest of the floor. He went seven from nine from the field then. So he's put up 21. Bogdanovich put up 21. Right. Capella had a double-double. And Kevin Herter comes off the bench with 15 points. Lou Will came in, a nice burst of energy, give you eight points, which isn't huge, but you need that You need that burst of energy when Trey Young's off the floor because he's only going to go out there and, you know, Lou Will played 11 minutes. Um, you know, just when Trey was resting, really, and he gives you that burst of offense. Whereas I'm looking at the Sixers on the other side, Embiid, Stuff the stat sheet, 39-9-4, three blocks to go with it as well. Ben Simmons gave you 17-10, and 10, but three from 10 from the line. Um, Tobias gave you 20-10. and 10. Seth Curry gave you 21. But for me, it's like, I don't think they respected the Hawks at the start of the game. Trey Young was just getting whatever he wanted. There was no answer for him whatsoever. So do you think that this game one is a wake-up call for the 76ers? Or do you think this is a sign of things to come throughout the rest of the series? Well, I want to make sure I get this right. Let me just let me, let me look at this. I want to make sure that I that I that I get this right. Okay, a Doc Rivers team is it, it, it's one thing you can always know and come to expect when you watch a Doc Rivers coach team. Defensively, they are going to figure out what it is they can and can't do, and they and they try to get a hold of the game. Now, two things happened today, which were really surprising to me. One. They never were able to dictate the tempo of the game. Trey Young and company, if you looked at the game today, that was an Atlanta Hawks yeah. game. And that's the one thing about the Atlanta Hawks that I saw with the Knicks. The Knicks were never able to get control of the tempo of the game. Okay? Now, when you get to the playoffs, it's very important that your primary ball handlers are able to control the tempo of the game. Now, the, the Atlanta Hawks, give them credit. Trey Young, he has everyone playing at his pace, mm -hmm. okay? So he's done that now in two series. The second thing, which was very disturbing to me, is the Atlanta Hawks score, if you're a Philadelphia 76er fan, they scored 128 points versus a Doc Rivers team. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of points. And they did that on the road, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Okay, now Philadelphia 76, they're no slouch on the defensive end. So Trey Young has dictated the tempo of the game. He has the team playing faster than they probably want to play. And the Philadelphia 76ers were never able to get a hold of this kid. They didn't corral him. So they can't walk away and say, this is what we can and can't do. The Atlanta Hawks is like, we got whatever we wanted on the offensive end. And if they continue to shoot open shots and those guys continue to shoot at a high clip like they're doing, John Collins, three for four, Bogdanovich, all of these guys, this is going to be very tough. So I look for the, the Philadelphia 76ers to try to do the following. Your best defense is your offense. You got to have patience when you play against a Trey Young team now. Because Trey Young has shown me that he can – dictate tempo he can speed up the game he can slow the game down he can play the in-between this isn't a mistake now now i said okay i saw him doing it in the regular season i'm like okay that's the regular season now okay he's a problem now so if i were them saying the philadelphia 76ers i would just slow the game down on the offensive end so that we can have you know a 95 to 105 to me that's the sweet spot for the sixers mm -hmm. 
If it gets to be 120, yeah, because then yeah. that's what Atlanta wants. I mean, Atlanta that, that was 128 points on the road is an enormous amount of mm-hmm. points in a game one. I feel you, man. Uh, I was actually really surprised at how the game went today. I was very, very surprised. Um, I'll actually, you know, just talking about Ben Simmons real quick there actually reminded me of one thing I wanted to get your thoughts on um, when we were talking about Dallas. It was Luka Doncic's free throw shooting. He finished the series shooting, what, 50% from the free throw line? Um, yeah, which is, which is weird because he shoots yeah. about, he was shooting better from behind the arc than he was from the free throw line. And in the regular season, he was shooting, um, what was he shooting from the free throw line in the regular season? He was shooting 75% in the regular season. So what was the reason for his struggles? In my opinion, the way I saw it was he was just exhausted from carrying the offense on every single possession. When he got to that free throw line, he was just using that as a chance to catch his breath. And so he wasn't really locked in how he usually would be. But I don't know, from your perspective of the point guard guru, what was your reason behind the free throw struggles from Luka Doncic in this series? Because it can't be the pressure because he lives in the pressure. You know what I mean? So, Yeah, you, you, you know, sometimes... It's a mental lapse, and you know when 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 I see players who are terrific shooters not shoot well from the free throw line, then I start to wonder, okay, what is going on? What's the thoughts in your mind, right? Is he actually focused in when he's at the free throw line and really learning how to control your breath? I think all great free throw shooters, it's like it's like yoga, you know you. You get into a routine and you stick with the routine, even to how you breathe, right? You just don't get up there and shoot the ball, right? You get up there, you take your breath, you do your routine, you dribble two, three, four times, whatever it is you do, and you go up there and you shoot it. When you watch Luca, this is like, you know, I would ask him, okay, what are you thinking about? Just what are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. Because clearly it's not pressure for him, okay? Clearly it's not uh, anything mechanical with him. It's just okay. What are you thinking about? Let's just let's. Uh, what are you? What are the you? The one thing that about? stood out to you me. Know, are you thinking about? Where watching this series was he was complaining so much at not getting foul calls from the referee that when he did get to the line, he was still mad about the other foul calls that he didn't get. So in between his free throws. He's right. drawing back and forth with the referees saying you should have called it on that possession before and why didn't you call it on this one? Do you see what I'm saying? That was, for me, the difference mm-hmm. in how he usually plays to, you know, from a body language perspective and those little intricacies. That's, you know, when you say what are you thinking about when you go to the line, in my opinion, that's, yeah, wh- that's what What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, like, 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 to, like tonight. It was a critical part of the game. Luca misses two free throws at a critical juncture of the game and then the Clippers go down there and make a three. So that's a five-point turnaround. Mm-hmm. It's a five-point turnaround. So, again, we're being very picky with Luca because, you know, he's so exceptional. But he has to make those free throws, especially at that point of the game. He has to make his free throws because he's going to get fouled. He's a very physical player. He has to shoot at a high clip. Because if he shoots at 60% with him handling the ball that much, that's going to be a problem, okay, because he won't have the ability to finish a game. We all know he can make big shots, but part of finishing the game is making your free throws, making sure that the other team doesn't feel that they can play physical with you because you're afraid to go to the free throw line. 
at some point here, mentally, when you can't go to the free throw line and make those two free throws, you begin to begin, you become less aggressive because you don't want the ball at the end of the game and you don't want to take those free throws. So I would be very careful with that. And I think that's something that Luca is aware of. I don't think he's lost his confidence, but at the same time, I think it's important for him to play, especially the way he plays. He's going to have to start making those free throws. Yeah. No, I, I feel you. I, I don't think it's going to be a, a recurring problem, if that makes sense, because in the regular season, it's not an issue. It's not the Ben Simmons of he can never shoot the free throws, regardless of the game and regardless of what it is. Yeah, Ben Simmons. It, it, this thing, now it's mental. It's a mental yeah. block. You know, he was what three of yep. ten or something today, or three eleven or something. Now it's a mental block. Okay, and I've seen that. Right, I've seen great free throw shooters. It's like playing golf. You know, you go through those stretches where you just can't make a putt. Mm-hmm. So I think right now, Ben Simmons. Hopefully for him in his career, when you look back, he's in one of those blocks. I've seen this happen before, where you just you can't make it. Okay. And right now you can see it's beginning to take its toll. And at some point, you know, it's, it's, it's going to cost them a game or two if it hasn't already. And it's going to become a big, big factor for him because you can see that he's really lost all of his confidence to make a free throw at this point during the season. And this is a very critical point for all players, let alone Ben Simmons, who handles the ball quite frequently for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, well, they, they lost by four. He missed seven free throws. You can do the maths on that one. You know what I mean? Like, it's, a, it's a simple game. I always say to everyone, I said it the other day, I'll say it again now, the, the two most simple things in the world that are the difference between teams winning and losing games, number one is scoring free throws because that's literally three points that you're being gifted. If you're missing them, you're giving away points. And the other one is rebounding because it generates extra possessions. Those two are the most simple parts of the game of basketball. And I feel like they're the two that everyone talks about the least when it comes to actually winning. I don't care if you can hit a step back from 35 feet out. Because if you just make your free throws, you wouldn't be in a position where you need to make all of those difficult plays. It's a very simple game. Right. It's a it's a very, very simple game in in my opinion. Um but you know it's been it's been a it's been a good Sunday. Nice early games for me over here in the UK. It must be early for you guys. What lunchtime in lunchtime in California? Yeah, yeah. What time is it here? It's what's four thirty. You know, a little. We're coming up on dinner, so the game started a little early start here. So, great two games today. Great game seven. Very weird series. Talking about the Philadelphia. I'm not Philadelphia. The L.A. Clippers and Dallas Mavericks. You know, today was the first win on a. You know, at, at, on the home court. So, um, you know, but I'm excited about the. You know, tomorrow's game. You're going to see Denver versus the uh, mm-hmm. the Phoenix Suns. Who you so got? it's going to be some really good basketball. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I mean, for the series. Man. I mean, for you the know, series, not for game one, but... For the series? Yeah. You know, I, I'm just going to say the Phoenix Suns, but you know what? I mean, th- this kid... I, I got to give this, this kid Jokic credit, man. I mean... We say it's a small, small, you know, it's a small, small man league right now, right? Small ball is in. I saw a big for the for the first time, like literally in this in this area. I can't think when last time I saw it, where a small guard, Damian Lillard, goes in Denver and has a fifty-five point effort. <laughs> Jokic withstands that effort and still wins the game. Yeah. Now. Now, I, I don't know how many bigs can actually 
play in this era. And you can see at, at one point you, you saw no bigs, but you're slowly but surely you're seeing the bigs and the impact, right? You see DeAndre Ayton, you see Jokic, you see Rudy Gobert, you see Joel Embiid. You're starting to see bigs play and have have an impact on the game, right? You see the, the Dallas Mavericks went big. So, you know, I, I think the big man is finding out how to play in this small ball era. And Jokic is leading the charge because he's one of the most unique players I've seen. I don't care at, at, at what position because he's not fast. He's not athletic. But, man, is he he is a unique, unique player. He's an exceptional basketball talent. And, and um, he's a very impactful player. And he's doing this, I want to remind everyone, without his running buddy, Jamal Murray. And that's what's so impressive. He is doing this minus an all-star caliber player. Jamal Murray is without mm-hmm. question an all-star caliber player. He's probably the best player that hasn't made an all-star team yet. I, so I just think an exceptional. I think done. if they have Jamal Murray, the, the Nuggets win that series quite easily. Without Jamal yep. Murray, I think the Nuggets still have a chance. Um, you know, just talking about that small, I don't even call it the small ball era anymore. I think it's more the three-point era because we're looking at, Giannis has won the last two MVPs. He's, it's a pace and space era more than anything. Because mm-hmm. I think the small ball thing's finished now for the last last couple of years because these big men can all shoot the rock now. You know, like Jokic. Jokic right. is so slow, but he's so good. Like, he hits people with that ultra slow motion pump fake on the perimeter, and everyone bites. And he, bl- he I say he blows by, but he just, like, walks past them and then makes an extraordinary pass. It, just, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But, but it's, it's crazy now, like, like, what that man is doing and... How effortless he makes it look. I was at the park the other day just playing ball and I was talking to some people and they were like, listen, I watch Luka Doncic, I watch Nikola Jokic and it gives me hope because I'm not ripped (laughs) and cut up like LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. I look at Doncic and Jokic and they look like everyday people. And so we can all play like them. But I I do love the way that they play basketball. Um, Let's just round off with this one question. Andrew is just asked in the chat right now. This is a topic of everyone's, you know, everyone's conversations over the last couple of days since Nikola Jokic sent the the Portland Trailblazers home. Damian Lillard, staying or going? If he's going, where's he going? Well, you know, there's been a lot of chatter here. And I'm sure, Mo, I know you've been on top of it. Uh, But... For, you know, the fans and the people here, you know, there's been a lot of chatter here over the last 48 hours. You know, they fired their coach, Terry Stotts, and they come out with some names um, who they thought, you know, Woj came out with some names, I think, on Saturday's broadcast of of the playoff games of who potentially could fill that void. And then out of nowhere, Damian Lillard said he wants Jason Kidd to coach him or to be the head coach there in Portland. And then suddenly, just a couple hours ago, Jason Kidd comes out and says he's respectfully taking his name out of the running because he thinks it'll make it too awkward of a situation if he that, was coaching the me, team. So That tells me there's something else going on. Go ahead. If, Jason, if, if Dame Lillard come out and said, I want Jason Kidd, and Jason Kidd said no, either Jason Kidd's taking a job, maybe he's taking a Boston job, maybe LeBron's getting Frank Vogel out of LA and they're going to promote Jason Kidd there. Or he knows Dame Lillard is going to leave Portland. Because, do you see what I'm saying? If, you, if, if you're if you an assistant coach and a superstar wants you to be the head coach, I don't think it's awkward trying to be, like, I think that there must be something else at play here. There must be something going on that we don't know about 
or you know most people don't know about um behind the scenes well mo you know we do live in the conspiracy era. <laughs> we love to connect the dots <laughs> so i'm not going to stop you from connecting the dots right mo? i'm not going to stop anyone you know <laughs> i want to take them at their face value I, I i do know this when you are coming into a situation especially at a leadership position right you want to walk into the door the right way mm. And I think Jason Kidd understands that, you know, he's had a couple of head coaching jobs now. And that's a very difficult way to walk into a door and have to coach a team because you have to deal with management. You have to work, have a working relationship with the general manager, the owners and all of those things. And it's very difficult when you don't have the support of everybody, especially when you, you know, you're first getting the job. So I understand that. I think, you know, what your, your, your conspiracy and the way you're thinking, listen, I, I, I get that. And, and that's a possibility. I'm not saying that that's not right or wrong. I'm not saying that's not. But at the same time, working in the front office, knowing that you don't have the support of your owners, the executives, the coaching staff and the players. If those four people aren't on the same page, you have no chance. And right now I give Jason Kidd credit because you don't want to walk in the door and the GM is like, I didn't want to hire you. <laughs> you know, and I'm only hiring you because my best player said he wanted you. You know, that's not how you want to walk in the door. So, but other than that, I think you, 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 you I, I give you credit. This is the NBA. Anything and everything is possible. So you might be. I mean, it's, it's either that it. or either Jason Kidd was at the beach today. And he just looked at the ocean and the, and the palm trees and said, hey, no way in hell I'm moving to Portland right now. I'm in L.A. I'm nice. So <laughs> I, can, I can relate to that one. As well. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of moves this summer. I think like whatever happens in these playoffs is going to be the starting fall of dominoes for a lot of teams. Already some changes in Boston, Portland. There's going to be more on the way. And we're going to be with you guys along the way. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. Follow us. BJ, thank you as always. For coming through, blessing us, man. Thank you, Mo. And Mo, can I of say course, this? I want to say one thing. First, thank you again for having me. I have so much fun, and and, and thank all of the, all of the people and the fans for visiting. I, I really appreciate it, and thanks for listening to us. But hey, Mo, let's do it. Let's let let's let's let let's do this. And uh, please feel free to ask your questions. And I I enjoyed it so much, and I uh, really appreciate you having me on. But uh, let's commit to doing it, man. This is a lot 100%. of fun. We're gonna be back for you guys on a regular. We appreciate you, BJ, my brother. Enjoy the rest of your day. Send my best to the family out there, and we'll catch up very soon. Appreciate you swinging by. All right. All right. God Take bless. care. Yep. Yo, I appreciate you guys dropping by and listening to this episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. We've got a lot more on the way. And if you want to get your questions answered, as I said at the start of the show, make sure you subscribe on twitch.tv forward slash hoop genius, where you can chop it up with BJ Armstrong and myself. Be there, because we lit, baby. You know the vibes. Until next time, my people, stay safe and get buckets.